We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com live post-game show. I'm Trevor Lane. This is also the LakersNation.com podcast. If you're listening to the audio version of this, those of you who are watching the video version, you can see I'm not in my normal studio. I've been traveling all day, actually visiting relatives right now for the Christmas season. Uh, but so this will be my kind of home away from home for a little bit here. But thank you guys for joining me. The Lakers did just fall to the Sacramento Kings. Before I even get into that, though, I have to share something with you guys. I, just, I need to be honest here. You guys ever done something really stupid where all you can do is just laugh at yourself? Some of you asking, why is Trevor so late? It's because I just did the first 10 minutes of the show without actually hitting go live without actually starting the show i was answering questions and everything and uh reading the questions that were coming in and yeah yeah the show wasn't live i was i was sitting here talking talking to nobody just talking it was a great show by the way probably the best show i've ever done it was an incredible lost episode of the lakers nation podcast but yeah i did the first 10 minutes of the show without actually you know going going live like i said i've been traveling all day i'm exhausted and uh, I, I'm going to chalk it up to that. Or perhaps it, it's just, you know, depression settling in after the way the Lakers played in this one. But anyway, that's the first time I've ever done that. I actually completed a full like portion of the show and forgot to actually hit go live. So anyway, now now the show is actually off and running so we can really get get into things. But uh, I had to take a second there and laugh at myself. But uh, the Lakers do fall to the Sacramento Kings, 134 to 120. I have to laugh because this is just going to, you know, make me cry. The Lakers, uh, like they, they just, they did, they just didn't have enough in this game to compete with Sacramento. Sacramento has been playing very well this season. LeBron James, 31 points, 11 assists, six boards, nine of 10 from the line, 11 to 21 shooting. You can't, you can't fault LeBron here. LeBron did everything you could have hoped he would do. Uh, the, the only quibble maybe 0 for 4 from 3, right? Didn't shoot that well from, from the three-point line. But otherwise, the, he gave you everything he could. He blocked three shots. And it's just not – you can kind of see it in LeBron's body language too where he, just, he knows they just – without AD, no Austin Reeves, still dealing with the ankle injury. We still don't know the full extent of, of Anthony Davis's injury. We're probably going to uh, talk a bit more about that later in the show. No Russell Westbrook, still dealing with an injury as well. He just, he just doesn't have enough uh, on this team right now. But here's where it gets interesting. Thomas Bryant, 17 and 10. Great. No problem there, right? Even hit two of two from three. Um, struggled defensively, but 13 for Patrick Beverly. How often do you get 13 points out of Patrick Beverly? You'll take that, right? 37 minutes for Patrick Beverly, too, in this one. So many players out injured. Dennis Schroeder, 18 points. 19 for Lonnie Walker. Lakers shoot 50% from the field, 46% from three, and still get torched by Sacramento. What happened? Well, the Lakers bench put up what, seven for Gabriel, seven for Troy Brown, two for Damian Jones, six for Max Christie, and that's it. You just didn't get a lot of bench production. The Sacramento Kings had a lot more bench production than the Lakers did. They had a number of players chipping in, and then their starters were all shooting the ball well. The Kings 
knocking in six more threes than the Lakers. That makes a big difference in this one. They shot pretty well. The Lakers struggled to get stops. And then even when the Lakers did get stops, they couldn't control the offensive glass. They gave up offensive rebounds and wound up having to defend all over again. They could not seem to slow down the Kings offense for a little while there in the third quarter, the Lakers and the Kings were kind of trading baskets and it felt like the Lakers were trying to ramp themselves up to make a push, but they can never really get it off the ground because they couldn't get stops on the other end. They would score and then get scored on score and then get scored on. And you knew ultimately if you're going back and forth, just in a shootout with the Kings, the Lakers offense is the one that's going to falter first. And so that's exactly what happened. The Lakers started missing a few shots. The Kings didn't. They just kept scoring and scoring. And then at that point, the lead was out of hand. And that was pretty much the game. But let's get into your questions and comments because I have a feeling we're going to talk about a lot more than just this game itself. Uh, Gabriel said, none and Beverly and a second for Rogier. Okay, so trade with the Hornets. And Russ and every pick the Lakers have available for a deal with the Raptors, that includes Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, the money works. The money might work, but that doesn't mean the teams involved are going to actually do that. Um, the Hornets, like, I can make an argument for why the Hornets should do that deal to move off of Terry Rozier's long-term salary, but I think they're going to want more. They're going to want some type of real value coming back and just a couple expiring contracts in a second. I don't think that's enough for them, even if they should look to clear the books. Um, I also don't think that's the kind of move they make right now. That's the kind of move they make on February 9th if it's pretty well set that their season is done. They're out of it. Uh, and then same thing with the Raptors. Even if you give up both firsts, I think they probably feel like they can get more for Boucher, OG, and Gary Trent Jr. See, the Lakers have a few things working against them on the trade front. Part of it is the time of year it is, right? The trade deadline is not until February 9th. So a lot of teams right now have their asking prices sky high. Eric Pincus for Bleacher Report had a great quote about this, and I'm paraphrasing, but said something to the effect of, in December, prices are astronomical. In uh, January, they're high. In February, right before the deadline, they come down just enough to where you can make a deal. So right now, everybody wants all the stuff, right? I mean, the Rockets say, Eric Gordon, oh, we, we need a first, right? Josh Richardson from the Spurs, we need a first. Jakob Pertl, we need two firsts. Everybody wants first-round picks for everything, right? Uh, Mo Bamba, oh, first-round pick, the Orlando Magic say. That's right now, and that's going to continue for at least a few more weeks till we get into mid-January, maybe even into February. But the problem is the Lakers need to make a move now, but prices aren't going to come down yet. So when you look at a deal like this, that's the kind of deal that maybe the Hornets make if they decide we're fully going all in on a tank and this at least clears salary, but they don't do that until February 9th because they're going to wait and see if they can get something better in the meantime. Same thing with the Raptors. The Raptors are probably thinking Trent Jr. alone should get them a first, if not more. OG Ananobi is going to get multiple firsts, right? Like that's their mindset right now. Maybe those prices come down in February, but that's not a move that you can get them to do now. On top of that, look at the way the trade market's going to play out here. Look specifically for the Lakers. Um, the Lakers are struggling. They've got injuries. Teams are going to approach the Lakers and say, you need to save your season. You're in trouble. You don't have AD playing an MVP caliber anymore. If you want to make the playoffs, if you want to appease LeBron James, who's turning 38 in a week, well, you need to give us everything. Here's a couple of marginal role players that probably don't move the needle much, but you know what? You're desperate. And uh, we'll take two first-round picks unprotected for them. That's the cost. That's the perception that the Lakers have to fight against. We've... You wonder why the Utah Jazz wanted a first-round pick for OG and for uh, for Boyan Bogdanovich, and then turned around and traded him for Kelly Olenek. Olenek isn't worth a first-round pick. Those things aren't equal in value. So why was the price one thing for the Lakers and something different for the Pistons? Maybe you say Lakers tax. Maybe you say Rob Palinka tax. Those things absolutely can be true. Maybe there's a sense out there that Rob tends to give up a little bit too much in deals, gives up a little bit more than he should. And so teams are going to expect more coming their way in a trade. Sure, that could be a factor. But it's also that sense that the Lakers are desperate. Teams are sharks. They smell blood in the water. And they are going to do everything they can to fleece the Lakers. You want us to give you pieces to try to change the trajectory that you're on? All right, we expect a lot in return. And if you're not willing to pay that, well, all right, wait. And the longer you wait, the less chance you have 
of moving up in the standings. The less chance you have of those pieces actually mattering. That's that's the reality. That's the difficult part. Right? People get upset. People get frustrated. Fans say, do something now, right? Make a trade and make a trade right now. It's not like they've got five, six great trades sitting there and all they have to do is just pick the right one. That's not the situation. Right now, you've got a lot of teams that want to fleece the Lakers in a deal and prey upon that desperation because they absolutely should. It's the way the trade market works. So I, I wish I could say, hey, they've got a great deal sitting on the table right now. All they got to do is just pull the trigger, just do it, right? That's not reality right now, especially given the team. If the Lakers were the three seed or something, maybe you've got a little bit more leverage. And you can say, well, we don't need to do anything right now. That's not the way teams are going to approach them. It's going to take a lot of skill and a lot of savvy decision-making for the Lakers to navigate this trade deadline. And they also have to have some information on Anthony Davis. They have to know what exactly is going on with AD. That's another topic I know we're going to be getting into here as we go through the show. Uh, TikTok says, give LeBron his damn credit for having uh, five 30-point games in a row. The expectations for a 38-year-old man is ridiculous. He can't win with this roster. I mean, LeBron's got to be frustrated. LeBron's been around long enough. He sees it. He knows exactly what's happening with this team. When he looks around this roster, he knows they don't have enough. You don't have enough right now. Look, Max Christie, sing his praises. He's done some things, some things that you wouldn't expect a 19-year-old to do. But that's not enough. That's not enough for this team to win games. They're undersized. The roster's imbalanced. You've got too many guys who aren't providing enough punch, enough bang for your buck. You've got, what, of all your veteran minimum salaries you've got on the roster, then you've also got... Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, and I, I think Patton has been playing better, but still you've got $18 million wrapped up in those two players and you're not getting $18 million in value. You're not getting $47 million in value out of Russell Westbrook, despite the fact that I think he's been better this season. I think he's given the Lakers some positives. Bottom line is you don't have enough guys that are performing up to the level that you need them to, fair or not, right? You're asking players, to perform above their pay grade right now because you've got so many guys who are performing below it that you have to balance that out, and you can't right now. The Lakers just don't have enough pieces to do that. And so when you look at this roster and you see them trying to keep up with the Sacramento Kings and they just don't have the firepower, they just don't have the pieces to do it. So, yeah, LeBron's got to be frustrated. Bruce said, hi, Trevor, if you had to guess, what do you think the Lakers' move might be? Punt the season and waste another LeBron year? Make small moves? I would have said small moves um, before the AD injury when you had MVP level play. I'm not saying he was the MVP, but MVP level play out of Anthony Davis. And you've got LeBron and you've got Russ doing some good things off the bench. You can say, hey, all right, we're a small, we're a small move from particularly if we can find the right pieces that will boost the Lakers up into the playoffs, right? In solidly into the playoff mix. You add a little bit of shooting add a little bit of size. Off you go. Small move. Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, maybe give up a first. Boom. Now, though, depending on how long AD is out, a small move doesn't seem like it moves the needle enough. If AD is out, I don't know, maybe he's out two months. Maybe he's out three. All we've heard is that they're seeking a second and maybe third opinion. You usually don't do that if you liked what the first opinion had to say. Right? So, I don't know exactly what the injury is. We're waiting to hear from doctors. So far, there's a lot of pessimism out there, but it's still it's still odd that he's traveling with the team, that he's not wearing a boot, that our own Daniel Starkand, who's, who's on scene at the games, has talked about how E.D. is walking around without a limp. It's weird. I don't know exactly what's going on, and until we get some more information, we, we're not going to know exactly what's happening. But if it's two or three months of no Anthony Davis, then on the trade front, a small move, doesn't do enough for you. If this is the Lakers roster as it currently stands and you go get Boyan Bogdanovich, for what purpose? Maybe he can help you next year, but is Boyan Bogdanovich enough to fix losing Anthony Davis? No, that's not enough to, to make this team uh, make a playoff run. So what's the point? Then why, why do that? What you need is you need to either decide if, and again, this is if, if AD is back in three weeks, maybe everything turns out fine. He's back in three weeks. Okay. Then, then you're back on course with a small move. But if it's he's out, out, then you're looking at one of two things. Either you punt the season and you just say it is what it is. LeBron, go get your scoring title and uh, pass Kareem and we'll regroup in the summer. 
that's that's one option. Your other option is let's go see what else we can find. Let's see if we can find a move that's big enough to where maybe it gives us a shot. Now, the Zach Levine rumor came out today. Maybe go get Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. Now, is that possible? I don't know. The Bulls aren't super happy with the Lakers for information getting leaked out. Internal conversations, right? Conversations the Lakers are having internally about Bulls players, about DeMar DeRozan and, and Vucevic, leaks out to the media. The Bulls aren't even talking with the Lakers, and then the Bulls have to deal with that situation, right? The Bulls now have to deal with all of these rumors, their players getting asked about it, all this stuff, and they weren't even talking to the Lakers about those players. That puts you in a difficult spot to make a deal. That's where leaks and things like that can hurt your team. But nonetheless, if there's anything behind this whole Zach Levine thing, if Zach Levine wants out of Chicago, if Levine wants to come to LA, he's a clutch sports client, maybe there's a little bit of smoke there. If you're the Lakers, do you want to take on the four years, 160 plus million dollars left on his contract for an injury prone player? That's a question mark as well. But that's also a pretty decent amount of talent between Levine and Vucevic coming back. And maybe that's enough to where you can say, you know what? AD's back in three months. And if we get Levine, we get Vucevic and they can stay healthy. That gives us a shot to move up enough to where when AD comes back, he really pushes us over the top and off we go. So that's your other option. doesn't have to specifically be those players, but you do something big, real big. You're willing to give up both those picks. And that allows you to stay in the playoff mix, to move into the playoff mix, even without AD. And then AD comes back and really propels you. That's the other thing that you're looking for. If AD is out long-term, the small move, I think needs to be off the table unless it's something where you're getting, if it's like a Cam Reddish move where you're getting somebody that you can look at and saying, well, we're going to give a look at this player and see if he's somebody we want to keep long-term. That's the only way you do a small move if AD is out for a while. Uh, comment says, the Kings running around the Lakers, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, this is what's left of the Lakers. This would have been a much more competitive game, obviously, if Austin Reeves, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis played. I mean... We've talked about Russ isn't a great fit with this team still. And I give him credit for what he's done this season. I think he's been a positive and I, I don't want to speak negatively. I think he's had a, a much better season this time around for the Lakers because of the passing ability. And some of that has been his synergy with Anthony Davis, but nonetheless, Russ is at least an NBA quality player. He's a rotation player. And when you don't have Russ, you don't have Reeves, you don't have Anthony Davis that's three guys on a roster that doesn't have a lot of definite NBA rotation quality players. You've got a lot of guys who are question marks at best. And that shows through in a game like this where you just, you don't, you don't have enough definite. This guy is an NBA level rotation player. You don't have enough of those guys. Not when you're missing those players already. Peanut Butter Badger said, can we make a deal already before it's too late, please? It's just sad at this point. That's the problem. If they had a great deal on the table. I think they would make it. They don't. What, they, what they've got is other teams trying to fleece them. And that's not even unique to the Lakers. Right now, everybody's prices are high. And so saying make a deal now, you're buying high. Maybe they can figure out something, but there's a reason why. We usually don't see deals done until mid-January at the earliest. And for the Lakers, that's probably waiting too long. Jillian, LeBron, 31 points, 11 assists, six boards, three blocks. Is Rob Palenka blind? Again, you can argue they should have done the Pacers deal. And I said the same thing. I said I would have done the pay. I would have gotten Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, and off you go. I would have done that deal. But they didn't. They decided not to. They, they wanted to bring Russ back, see what he can do, trust in Darvin Ham that he's going to make it work, all that stuff. They gambled, we talk about this heading into the season, they gambled that the Lakers were going to be able to keep their heads above water long enough for them to find something better on the trade market. And I believe they always felt like, worst and this is my speculation here, worst case, we can go back to this Pacers deal. This Pacers deal will still be there in December, it'll still be there in January. Let's wait and let's see what they've got. Now I don't think the Pacers deal is there anymore because Indiana has won too much. Now they've slid a little bit recently, so maybe... Maybe there's still some hope there, but 
I think that was the sense was, hey, we can do this Pacers deal down the road if we need to. Let's wait. Let's see if we can keep our heads above water. And if that's the case, that gives us more leverage in negotiations. Unfortunately, things have gone the other way. Now you've got injuries. You're already looking on the outside. You're on, on the outside looking into the playoffs. And teams are going to use that against you. Senpai, as a bronze fan, not a Lakers fan, I'm just hurting. I want to see my guy win more than anything. But I look at this team and I know no trade is saving it. Yeah, unless AD gets healthy or you do something dramatic, you find something really incredible. Um, this season, you're probably not saving it. You're probably not. That's the challenge. Jay Delgado, I would prefer to give more minutes to Troy Brown than none, especially in a roster without wing depth. I couldn't agree more. Yep, uh, absolutely. The Lakers, we see too many moments where they're undersized. Some of that is just roster imbalance because they've got a guard-heavy roster. Um, I believe the roster was put together with the idea that they would be trading Russell Westbrook before the season started. And then that didn't happen. They didn't make that move. And so you just go into the season with an imbalanced roster. Um, that's the that's a problem. But yes, this team needs wings. They need shooting. They need defense. And Troy Brown in place of none. Look, none can have his moments. He can have some games. But overall, he's not been good. And if you're replacing him with Troy Brown, at least you're trying to get somebody who, if you squint, fits the skill set that you need. Not to say Troy Brown's been great, but at least he's got some size. Something there. Kyle said, we're better than this. Not without these guys. Sacramento's been playing well, and without AD, you needed AD playing at an MVP level to beat teams like Sacramento. And he puts you in, in consideration to do that. But without him, you're not going to. Lord Beerus, keep LeBron, AD, Austin Reeves, Walker, and Bryant. Trade everyone else for Kyrie, Kuzma, and Zubats. Who's giving you all of that stuff for everyone else? I think it's funny Zubats is in there, uh, especially after the Lakers, you know, handed him over to the Clippers. Yikes. But, um, yeah, I don't think you have enough to get all of those guys with everything else, right? You trade Russ, you trade Patrick Beverly, you trade Kendrick down. You can attach the picks, but you only have two firsts. You don't have enough first to get Kyrie, Kuzma, and Zoo. You just don't. Mikey, LeBron didn't need to waste minutes in the fourth period in a lost cause. Smart load management should include not wasting minutes in those situations. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, why, why is LeBron even in this game right now? Um, the worst case would be, you put him out there in the fourth quarter of a game that's already over and he gets hurt. Okay. Then you're out LeBron, you're out AD, Russ is out, Austin Reeves. Arguably that would be the worst roster in the NBA, right? That would be certainly one of, you're going to have a real tough time winning games if that's the case. So yeah, I, I thought that was a bit strange as well that LeBron was out there in the fourth quarter in this game. Jose, Funny how Rob thought this small ball was okay. The Kings literally have three players, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 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 and 7'1". Sabonis versus LA Midgets. Magic uh, going to beat us by 50. Part of it is wings are hard to find, right? If you go around the NBA and you say, hey, what, what are you guys looking for? Three and D wings. Everybody. Everybody. I mean, again, I, I go back to the summer. You know, I'm talking to Keith Smith, covers the Celtics. Um, he hosts the front office show with me. And I say, Keith, you know, looking around, what, what is it the Celtics are looking for? Well, I think we can need, need another wing. You've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, we need we need more wing depth. Even teams that, that have stars at the wing positions are looking for wings with size who can shoot. Why? Because that kind of defensive versatility, switchability, and ability to make an impact on the boards matters on that end. And then the shooting matters on the other end. So you've got to have those guys. Those are the guys you're trying to surround your stars with. You need those players. But everybody is looking for them. So finding them is extremely difficult, especially when you don't have any money to spend. You're talking about veteran minimum deal. Hard to find a 3 and D wing on a veteran minimum. They can make a lot more somewhere else. So that's a problem too. And that rolls all the way back up into the decisions made in the roster build. How is it that you find players that are above minimum 
and get them on your roster despite having stars. Well, you have to draft them or you have to get them early enough to where when it is time to finally pay them, you've got their bird rights. And so your stars clogging up most of your cap space doesn't mean you can't keep these players because you've got their bird rights. So you can and you can keep rolling that over and hang on to these players. The Lakers didn't do that. The Lakers traded all their guys away, then went and signed a bunch of better minimum guys to one year deals. And that doesn't accrue bird rights for anybody. So even if they hit on somebody like they did with Malik Monk, they're just going to walk away for more money the next year than the Lakers can pay. Bird rights are so critical to how you build out a roster and how you sustain a roster. And the Lakers did a very poor job of that. And so when you look at a team that's got, oh my gosh, they've got so much more size than the Lakers. Yeah, because the only guys they could sign were guards. Everybody's looking for wings. It's not easy. It's not easy to find those players. Um, and again, that's that's even more of the frustration behind this whole situation the Lakers are currently find themselves in. Jose, apparently Lakers Nation's net worth is more than Jeannie's now that she's getting married. She's hard capped. Oh man, I did see that Jeannie getting engaged to Jay Moore. Congrats to her. I hope she's, she finds happiness and, and all of that. But yeah. Uh, SD1 said, Kobe's final gift was calling Jeannie the mother of dragons, making her feel emboldened to fire her brother and hire Rob. Sad. Ah, oh, man. I mean, that you've heard me talk about it. The Lakers made a lot of mistakes in the margins in terms of how you build out a roster. I don't think it's been done the right way. I think you've got a lot of problems that have, have come out because of this. And we're, we're hitting a point where the mistakes are compounding, right? The mistakes are the mistakes on top of mistakes on top of mistakes is leading you to this situation where now you don't have enough assets to dig your way out of all the problems that you've, that you've built. You know, your scouting department's doing a great job finding young talent for you, but uh, especially late in drafts, but you're not turning that into what you need. It's, it's not been good there. And we keep waiting for this kind of hail Mary trade to bail them out. And my question becomes, well, how people keep saying, make a trade. How confident are you they're going to win that trade? How confident are you that's going to be the right trade? That that whatever trade they make next is going to be the trade that's suddenly going to fix it, right? You look at what this front office has done over the past few years. Why should there be so much confidence that the next move is going to be the savvy move that everybody goes, whoa, we didn't see that coming. Hey, look, I hope it happens. I hope that's what happens. Just saying, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. I'm not saying they don't make a trade, but man, there's been a lot of mistakes made recently, and it's um, it's led them to this point. Uh, Self-inflicted wounds have put them in the in the situation that they're in right now. It's uh, it's certainly tough. Jason Kelly, if the Pels get Wemby with our pick, this is easily the worst season in Lakers history. The Westbrook trade is just unreal. What are we doing here? Well, right now. Right now, the Lakers aren't in a position where they would look likely that they would be surrendering Wemby. I mean, it could happen, though. You never know with the draft lottery odds. But the only way they can be sure is by getting themselves into the playoffs. Don't be in the draft lottery at all. And, again, I, you can't look – from the Lakers' perspective, you can't just say, well, solely to keep the Pelicans from getting a good draft pick, let's sacrifice future picks and do everything we can to win right now. You kind of have to look at those picks as a sunk cost and just say – we need to do what's best for the team moving forward and just say that whether that pick is number one, whether it's number 30, it doesn't matter. That pick is gone. No matter what we do, that pick is gone. Regardless of where it ends up, that doesn't matter for our decision-making. It feels bad. If you do wind up giving up the first pick, people are going to be clowning the Lakers even more than they already do. And it's not going to feel good, but you can't operate under a mode where you feel like you have to do it just to prevent the Pelicans from getting a better pick. It's certainly not ideal, and you would love to see the Lakers make a playoff push, and then the Pelicans walk away with the 15th pick, and the Lakers get the Pelicans pick, and that falls at, I don't know, 23 or something. And okay, not ideal to move back eight spots or whatever, but whatever. You live. It, it's fine. If you hand over number one, yeah, that, that hurts a bit more. But again, the pick the pick is gone. It is what it is. All right, let's see what else we can find here.
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm getting to I'm getting to the part of the chat where everybody is responding to me at the beginning saying that I started the show. People saying, how are you answering questions if you weren't live? I can see all the questions that are coming in from YouTube because it does like kind of the, not the preview, but, you know, the, the placeholder. So I can see all the questions coming in anyway, all the comments coming in, even though I'm not live. I can still see that happening. That's how I was uh, answering questions, even though nobody could hear me answering those questions because I wasn't actually live. Big dog said Trev therapy session. I think we could all use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys. I mean, it's as much for me as it is for, for all of you out there. I, I get as much, I feel better after I talk through everything. Um, hopefully it helps everybody else a bit as well. <sighs> Mom mentality. We talk about the Lakers beat a team, maybe in the playoff series or regular season when they move on opposing team, not so much Kings play like their life depended on it. Win over the Kings overdue to quiet uh, mouse. Yeah, look, that's also a thing, right? We talk about sometimes when teams look across the floor and they see another team that doesn't have their stars, they take their foot off the gas. The Kings aren't really built that way. And the Suns, who the Lakers just played as well and got blown out, um, are not built that way either. The Suns kind of have that like kind of front running mentality in terms of their, their makeup. So if they see a team that's weak, they're going to go, oh yeah, this is our chance to put up big numbers, right? And they're going to be excited about that. The Sacramento Kings, I think Sacramento in general has so much hatred for LA. And this is a factor in, in Phoenix as well, that that crowd is going to urge them on. They're going to have that, like there's a, for Sacramento, this is like the biggest game of the year, right? Playing the Lakers, that's the big game. For the Lakers, it's a Wednesday, right? Like it's it's it doesn't mean anything extra playing Sacramento. But the same isn't true going the other way. And so there's some truth to that. You're going to get the best shot of some other teams. And so that effect where teams see you without your star, well, you've beaten up on these, these teams historically. So they're going to relish the opportunity to return the favor whenever possible. You would have to imagine they wouldn't be so fired up if, it was the Houston Rockets across the floor or something like that. Avi B, bottom line, Jeannie's too nice to properly run a team. I, I don't know if it's a she's too nice thing, um, but clearly some things haven't been working with the way things are being run. Mamba mentality. I get AD is out. What I see is Lakers not trusting each other on defensive end. Two collapses on a drive, kick out to open shooters. Open Kings play Golden State Warriors offense. And they have the ability to burn at you in those plays. Yeah, look, the Kings offense is good. But it's not just AD is out. Like Anthony Davis being out is a big thing there. And I think it it underscores how much he really covers up mistakes that other people make that stick out like a sore thumb when AD is not in there. But when he is, he can make up for that. He can erase some of those mistakes as they're happening. So without him, now you've got guys who can't do that, who can't erase those mistakes, and so they stand out more. You also have this added effect where everybody slides up the rotation a little bit. You've got some players who might not be getting minutes otherwise that are getting minutes now, and they're going to make more mistakes. And so it's not even just you know AD being a great defensive player. It's also what it, who's going to be taking up those minutes and their def defensive capabilities against, again, a good Kings offense. 
Jordan, can LeBron really be frustrated because he signed the extension after he saw how last season went? I'm still shocked he re-signed. Yeah, he did sign the extension, but I think there was hope that the Lakers would find a move that could propel them to where they want to go. Um, that's what he was hoping for. And I do wonder if we start to see more pressure put on from LeBron. Hey, you know, I signed this extension believing that you guys would move any picks necessary in order to give us a contending team. So what's going on here? That might be something to keep a closer and closer eye on as we get, you know, further along here, closer to February 9th. Vector Nova. Trevor, it might be time to start prospect scouting early. I doubt we survived this stretch with AD. Plus, we got three picks this year, I think. Also, would you rather have last year's THT or current none? Uh, last year's THT. At least you've got some youth and upside there. And none has not been giving you much this year. It's unfortunate. There was a lot of hope. Look, when the Lakers signed Kendrick Nunn, this isn't just a – it's not like the Lakers completely blew it and signed the wrong guy or something. When the Lakers signed Kendrick Nunn, the general reaction around the NBA was, oh, how did they get this guy for that price? It was He was a bargain at the price tag they got him at. And then that injury cost him last season, and now he just doesn't seem to have it at this point. He doesn't seem to be himself anymore. Uh, he, it doesn't look like he's got confidence. I hope he finds his way back because he was a good player. But right now, he's not helping you win games. I, I would go with THT. At least you're getting a young player who's got some upside um, to, to build on. Um, as far as looking at prospects, look, the, the, the scouting department's already doing that. Right? They're, they're looking at those things right now because that's what they do, regardless of how the season goes. Now, do I spend a lot of time looking at prospects now? No, I don't because we're in season. Maybe we'll have to start mixing in some of that, but we'll see how this goes. But yeah, I don't think it's necessarily time to just say, well, forget anything that's happening on the floor. Let's just focus on these college players and what they could potentially bring. David said, thank you, Trevor and LN crew. You guys made the last two seasons and this one bearable. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Really do. Uh, we do need to save the season bit by bit. Trade with the Spurs for uh, for JP, uh, Yaka Pertle, and Josh Richardson now, then get Boyan later if possible. Yeah, it depends on what the asking price is. Again, what we've heard is that the asking price for Pertle is two firsts. You're not doing that. I, and I like Pertle a lot. I'm, I'm one of the, the biggest, uh, highest on Pertle out there. Um, and I'm not doing two firsts for him. If it's uh, Josh Richardson, the Spurs want a first for him. I'm not doing that. The The prices are just too high right now. That's the problem. Uh, Boyan later. The asking price is an unprotected first right now. Again, I'm, I'm not doing an unprotected first for a 33-year-old who's playing the best basketball of his career at the moment. And you're probably you're, you're going to get the best basketball this season. Next season, he's probably not going to be quite as good. Why? Because guys typically don't shoot 44% from three season after season after season. Usually you get some ebbs and flows with that. So if you're looking at it, you say Anthony Davis is going to be out for a while, just getting Bogdanovich right now for an unprotected first means you're not really going to get the full benefit until AD's back next year. And then Bogdanovich probably isn't going to be quite this good. So the timing doesn't match up there. Um, now, if it was a, you can get Josh Richardson and Jakob Pertl for a first. Okay. Right. I don't know if the price ever gets that low. And if it does, it's not happened until February. And by then are the Lakers so far out of it that they say, well, you know, it's not even worth doing a trade, doing a trade. I don't know. Javantes said, we need shooters. The King shot the heck out of the ball. Teams beat us. Uh, uh, the ball teams beat us by out shooting us. Yeah. I mean, look, the Lakers didn't shoot poorly tonight. They shot 46% from three in this game and lost by 14. Because the Kings made six more threes. They just shot a lot more three-pointers than the Lakers did. And they out-rebounded the Lakers. The Lakers are too small. And they're not, they're not, they don't have enough marksmen. Even in a night where they, they shot well, they're not shooting a high enough volume of threes either. They've got to be dominant in the paint. And they've got to get stops. If you're only going to put up 24 threes and you're playing an opponent who shoots 47. It's, it's hard to win games. That way, really tough. And that's what we saw tonight. Saw a Kings team that just kept scoring. Uh, one day, you need to do a show about what moves should have been made after the chip. Palenka ruined a pretty good team with his moves. 
I mean, I don't even know if I have to do a whole show on that. Like I certainly could, but the bottom, the bottom line is run it back, right? Just run it back. Or hell, I mean, even, look, I, I wasn't even that upset with the Marcus Saul move. Here's, here's what I would really do. Here's what I would really do. The Marcus Saul move, fine, adding him, but I'm not sacrificing JaVale in order to add him. I'm not botching the negotiations with Dwight Howard, right? You wound up having to give up a second round pick plus JaVale McGee because you because Mark Gasol was going to get an extra year on a minimum deal. I tell Mark, I'll sign you right now for a veteran minimum, but I'm not giving you a two-year veteran minimum deal because I have to trade away JaVale and I have to give up a second round pick just to do that. I don't want to have to do that. So if you want to play for us, great. We'll do it. We'll give you a veteran minimum. And hell, we'll give you a veteran minimum contract next year too. Certainly, if you want to keep playing in the NBA, you're going to be worth that. You'll at least be worth a minimum contract. We'll give you that. Just trust us that we're going to do that. But we're not going to give you a two-year deal right now because of what we'd have to sacrifice in order to, to get that done. So you preserve a second-round pick because guess what? Your scouting department is kind of awesome. And so you want to preserve those second-rounders so you can give them that am ammunition. Hey, scouting department, here's a second-round pick. What other diamond in the rough can you find me? You already found me, THT. Now they found Max Christie, Kyle Kuzma, Ivica Zubats, Jordan Clarkson. The list goes on and on and on. They consistently find talent late. So you want to preserve those if you can. I don't think targeting Marcus Gasol was the wrong thing, but you go, you, you just, you have to play a little bit of hardball there. And if it means you don't get them, then you don't get them. And you say, hey, we bring back Dwight, we bring back JaVale, and off we go. If not, I'm okay with bringing in Marcus Gasol and having the idea of, a three-point shooting big can diversify things, but you at least keep one of those guys. You keep one of Dwight and JaVale, at least. So you've got the other thing, too. You've got the lob threat. I'll never forget, early in the season, the Lakers throw a lob, and they throw it a foot over Montrez Harrell's head because they're so used to throwing lobs to Dwight, who just skies and throws them down. Same thing with JaVale. Trez wasn't that player. Gasol wasn't that player. You completely changed your bigs. You need at least one of those guys back for carryover, even if you want to diversify the skill set a little bit by bringing in Marcus Gasol. You bring in Dennis Schroeder. I was fine with that deal at the time. I thought the value was just, it didn't work out great. It wouldn't work out, but I understood the logic behind it. And I thought the value was fine. Now, obviously, in hindsight, you say that could have been Desmond Bain. But nonetheless, let's say you do these deals. You bring in Gasol. You bring in Schroeder. You bring in Trez. Hang on to one of JaVale or Dwight. Wes Matthews, bring him in to help on the wing. That team was really good. They were just felled by injuries. So I'm okay with doing all of those moves. The real problem, it wasn't necessarily making the moves they did after the championship. They made a few little tweaks. They added some talent. Some of that didn't work out. It was after that when they said, oh, this team's not quite as good as we think they are. As we, as we showed early in the season, we need to blow the whole thing up. That was the problem. That was the big, big problem. So again, I'm not doing exactly what they did after 2020, but I understand some of the reason behind it. What I'm definitely not doing is what they did after the 2020-2021 season. That was where, that, that was what set them on this path to the dystopian world that we're living in currently. Uh Abel Anderson said, if we want Bulls players, I want Caruso too. Yeah, wouldn't that be great just to get Caruso back? Um, I don't know. I, I I saw something. I don't I didn't I don't have all the details. I saw something about him leaving tonight's game. Uh the Bulls won by two in this one. Uh, but yeah, if you can get Caruso in a deal, great. How upset with how upset with the Lakers are the Bulls, though? Right? I mean. Word leaks that the Lakers are having internal conversations about DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. Internal, not conversations with the Bulls. Now the Bulls have to deal with that. Now the Bulls have to deal with their players being asked about that, right? That's not great. That's not great. And that's not something that's going to leak from the Bulls side. So Chicago's probably not super thrilled with the Lakers after that. Now, since then, there's been the Zach Levine thing, which didn't come from the Bulls. It doesn't sound like it came from the Lakers either, though. Probably came from Zach Levine's camp, right? We heard that. Um, there's the Levine stuff. He's clutch sports client, all of that. Maybe you can get him. 
Maybe there, there's something there. Um, and you can go get something done that includes Caruso or whatever. Maybe it's Zach Levine and Nick Levusevich. I don't know. Maybe the Lakers are willing to take on $166 million left on the contract in four years for an injury-prone player like Zach Levine. But he's good. He's, if he's healthy, he's, he's worth it, probably. He's a good player. Maybe that's a risk that you take. And maybe you can move Caruso into, into a deal like that. But I don't know how willing to deal with the Lakers the Bulls are. And if you want to call that a Palinka tax, maybe that's where we're at. Jeremy, uh, stick with me, Trevor, on my theory. I don't think it's a Lakers tax. I think it's a large market tax. Smaller market teams more willing to be lenient on trades with other small markets. Sure, there's probably something to that where small markets feel like, well, the big markets are always beating up on us. We need to stick together. We're going to help each other out. Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, could be something like that. You also have to keep in mind, though, that if you are if you're a luxury tax team and a non-tax team, those non-tax teams, they're raking in the cash from those luxury tax teams. Remember, those luxury tax fees, those all get, get put into the big pot at the end of the year and then distributed to all the non-tax teams, just divvied up and, and they get a big check. So keeping those teams above the tax actually helps the bottom line of other teams. Remember, there's revenue sharing is like that's a thing, too. Um, that's part of the reason why you've got some of the small market teams that are uh, financially viable and why you see, I mean, look, the Suns just, what sold for over $4 billion or are in the process of selling for over $4 billion. So that gets wrapped up in this as well. But yes, I, I think it's potentially a small market team might feel a little better about trading with another small market than trying to help out a big market team. Maybe they feel a little good about a big market team struggling because of you know, past situations. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Hope you guys are having a great holiday season. By the way, I am, I am so thrilled. I got to meet my, um, my baby niece tonight for the first time uh, ever. It was so, so absolutely fantastic. So after a long day of traveling, that was certainly uh, uplifting and, and loved getting the opportunity to, to, uh, to do that. Uh, Jake Mueller said social media sleuths found Jeannie's fiance uh, saying the N-word multiple times on social media in the last few years. Yeah, I saw that. And I don't know if that's something the Lakers are going to address, if that's something they're going to need to. What what ultimately is going to happen there? Um, I don't know what's what's going to happen with that. If if anything's going to happen there, if. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. I don't know what ultimately is going to come of that. I know that's been something fairly recent that just came out um, today. And so we'll see whether or not that's something that gets addressed or, or what the Lakers do with it. I don't know what their what their response is going to be. Javantes Gallows, why do the basketball gods hate us? The Lakers have 17 NBA championships. They can't hate you to hate us too much, but uh, we didn't do anything wrong. We don't deserve this. Oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly been a frustrating few years. It has been. And especially if you if you take out the championship year, it's been a frustrating, like, 10 years, right? At, at this point, it's been tough. It's been, there's no getting around it. It's been tough. Um, that said, nobody's going to feel sorry for the Lakers. Nobody's going to, right? No team is going to feel sorry for the Lakers because of the success that the Lakers have had. It's what, when you've won 17 championships, nobody's going to feel sorry for you, especially when so many of your problems are self-inflicted. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Mike E., Given L.A. only signed Walker for one year, would it make sense to trade him or Brown for some long-term value? Even a pick will lose them anyway. Yeah, if you feel like Lonnie Walker is definitely gone, then sure. But remember, the Lakers, they're in a little bit different situation this summer than they were last summer with Malik Monk, where Malik Monk, they had no chance to keep him, right? Unless he was willing to take the tax pyramid level, that was the only shot, really, they had of keeping Malik Monk. Obviously, he wasn't willing. The Kings offered him much more. That's fine. Congrats to him. But the Lakers right now, now if they make a move that takes on future salary, this could change. But as of right now, they actually have cap space this summer. So they could potentially keep Lonnie. They just might have to use some of that cap space to do so. They'll also have a non-bird rights on him. So if Lonnie says, you know what? I'm at $6 million now. If I can get up to $7 million and change or so with non-bird rights, and then that'll get me to early bird rights because I'll have two years under contract with you guys then maybe we can work something out there. 
or maybe I can do three years and then that'll get me full bird rights. I'm willing to play ball there. Maybe there's something to negotiate in that on that front, right? If Lonnie feels like, you know what? The Lakers, they gave me my chance and I appreciate that and I'm going to trust in them. So once I can acquire bird rights with them, I believe they're going to take care of me down the road. Maybe you can work out something there. Of course, that's easy to say now. If some team comes along and says, Lonnie, we'll start you at 15 million per year, he's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to take that, right? So it's a risk. But again, if you have cap space to play with and you decide Lonnie is a guy that we must keep, well, you can spend some of that money to keep him, right? So a little bit different situation than Malik Monk where the Lakers were hopelessly capped out and they were never going to be able to hang on to him. All right, let's see what else we've got here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we call it uh, an evening, uh, Dylan said, so Trev, if AD gets back to MVP forum, what are your thoughts on trading him and getting a haul like the Jazz? Maybe best for the long-term health of the franchise. I think that what you've got to... Somebody said Trevor blacked out the logo on his hat. No, it's it's the way this hat came is with the logo like that. It's a style, man. It, I think it looks good. Anyway, um, as far as trading Anthony Davis, I think they got to get him back and healthy. And then maybe you explore that this summer. I don't. I think that the injury is going to be too fresh to do something. In fair, I don't. Who knows if he'll even be back on the court by the trade deadline. So maybe it's something you explore this summer, but I don't think it's something you do right this minute. I mean, we talked about if AD doesn't look like he is that future guy that you can build around, that it's something that you might have to decide to look at over the summer. We talked about that even in the preseason, but our thought was hopefully that it it wouldn't be because of injury, but that may just be where things are at. Um, AD has played like someone who you would want to build a team around like a one, a star. That's how good he's been. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to stay on the court. If AD could play at that level and stay on the court, he's absolutely a guy that you keep. But if you decide he simply can't stay on the floor, so we need to move him. So be it. Then, then maybe that's something you need to look at this summer. But again, I I don't see it happening before the trade deadline. Eddie chase, any chance Plinky gets fired? Who do you think would help? Presti, guy from Toronto. Okay, so I think this is important. So could Polinka get fired? So he just got a contract extension. Is it ideal to let him go now? No, because whatever is left guaranteed on his contract, you still have to pay him. You got to pay him to not work for you. That's, that's the way it goes. So that's not ideal. But sure, GMs get fired a lot of times with a year, two years left on their contracts. So he could. He could. That could still happen. Now, the next bit. Who do you think would help? Presti, Masai Ujiri, who's here, who you're talking about from Toronto. My thing is this. There is no salary cap for coaching positions. There is no salary cap for front office positions. You're the Lakers. You're one of the most valuable franchises in professional sports. Not in basketball. In professional sports, you're one of the most valuable franchises in the world. And there is no salary cap for front office positions. How much you spend on a general manager has zero impact on whether or not you can add players X, Y, or Z. Does not change 
the amount of money you have to build your roster. So why should you ever settle for anything less than the best when you are one of the most valuable franchises in sports? You should be able to go out there and outspend anybody. You don't have a salary cap to worry about. You don't have luxury tax payments to worry about. You don't have any of that. You don't have uh, opportunity cost or anything in terms of, okay, if we spend the full taxpayer mid-level, or we, I'm sorry, we spend the full mid-level, that hard caps us, and then we can't do these things. You don't have to worry about any of that. You can pay them whatever you want. So pay them. Go get the best of the best and say, we trust you to make these basketball decisions because you are this good because you have a proven track record of doing so. What's stopping you from doing that? And you can say, well, the Lakers are run like a family business and that, that certainly matters. And if you look at the, the wealth of the Lakers ownership compared to Steve Ballmer for the Clippers, compared to the guy who just bought the, the Phoenix Suns, the Lakers ownership isn't as nearly as wealthy. And so maybe that's a factor there. But still, you're the Lakers. Your team is that valuable. Spend what it takes to bring in the best. That's where being the Lakers, see, the salary cap and all that is put into place to try to create parity. It's trying to make it so that teams like the Lakers, like the Knicks, like the Warriors, can't just outspend everybody else and win championships that way. So that all the stars don't just go to LA, don't go to New York, Chicago, whatever, just don't go to the big markets so that there's actually hope for every team in the NBA, right? The ideal situation would be like the NFL, right? Where teams can actually develop and grow and they can go from one year being terrible to next year being dominant. That's the hope. That's the vision for the NBA someday. But that doesn't apply to the front office. That system is not in effect for front office jobs. So use your advantage. Use the fact that you are the Lakers to your advantage and go get the best. That's always been my take on front office positions and coaching positions. Shouldn't settle. That is your competitive advantage. You're that valuable of a franchise. You should have the best in the positions where you don't have to worry about the cap stopping you from doing it. Whoever that is, if that's Sam Presti, if that's Masai Ujiri, if that's whoever, if it's Daryl Morey, you go and you make them an offer they can't refuse. And it's much more complicated than that. That sounds way too simple, but yeah. Avi B, donating, don, uh, donating Zubats to the Clippers, and then he demolishes a current target, Miles Turner, 31 and 29. If the Russ trade, THT, Stand for Pat Bev. AD injury isn't enough. This compounds the pain. Yeah, look, the, the Zubats situation was not great. The Lakers made the decision they weren't going to be able to pay him to keep him, and so that was a problem too. Um, they ultimately decided, well, let's let's go get something that we think can help us right now. But still, you kind of just you found him, right? You found him super you know, in, into the second round. I want to say he was like the thirty-second pick that you got to beat the Zubats. You found this guy. He's talented. You make the decision that you're not going to keep him. If you're going to trade him, you got to get something of long-term value back. You have to. You handed him over to a crosstown team, and he's been great for them. That was that was just a not a good move. Eddie Chase, Suns sold for four billion. How much would the Lakers get? Genie, Rambi, Rob, awful. Beg Jerry West to come back or sell the team. Don't know how to win since Doctor Bus. How much are the Lakers worth? Last I saw was somewhere over like seven billion something. I'm it's off the top of my head. There's been articles about it. I think Forbes had an article. I don't recall exactly what it was, but nonetheless, um, yeah, the Lakers are worth a lot of money, a lot. It's particularly when you've got there's going to be a new collective bargaining agreement coming. There's going to be a new TV deal coming. NBA teams are profitable. Somebody's going to pay a lot, and I believe that the minority owners of the Lakers right now have the right of first refusal should the bus family decide to sell that said i don't think they're going to sell i don't i don't think that's something they're even considering so kind of a moot point david said do you think the front office's approach is outdated free agents are not rushing to big market teams other teams don't want to trade good players need new approaches to the front office yeah i i do think it's dated in a sense of just get the stars the stars are all that matters and that's it. 
I think they proved that's not the case in 2020. They proved the new model for building an NBA team and then didn't believe what they themselves had kind of stumbled upon, but they had become one of the first teams to win it all with a two-star model and having the right pieces around them. It was like they didn't believe in their own success. And so they dismissed that model and went back to three stars. And here we're in this mess. Um, as far as free agents not rushing to the big market, it's why you can't lose all these moves on the margins. You just, you can't, you've got to be savvy with your front office and you've got to win in some of these moves on the margins. You've got to make smart decisions. Like there are advantages to being the Lakers, but imagine if you're the Lakers and you're making the savvy moves, right? And you're signing team friendly deals and you're making smart trades and you're getting players together that fit. You're doing, you're checking all of the other boxes. That's how you really build something. That's where being the Lakers matters a lot more because you go, oh man, not only is this the Lakers, but man, this front office gets it. And that perception is not what's out there right now. Right now it's, yeah, it's the Lakers. You're going to get a big spotlight. But there's also a lot of head scratching out there from opposing teams. Like it's the Lakers, but man, what are they doing? But why do they keep signing guys, second rounders and undrafted guys to two-year deals and not three or four? Why do they not preserve a little bit of the mid-level exception to give these guys longer-term contracts? They're just putting themselves in positions where they have to pay guys a year early. They did it with Reeves. They did it with Max Christie. They did it with THT. Why are they making these mistakes on the margins? Why are they consistently giving up a little bit more than they should in trades? That's... That's where you go from being, hey, the Lakers, and you've got this great advantage to sacrificing some of that advantage when you're not hitting the singles that other teams are. Uh, Jake Mueller said the Lakers need to throw the bank at Bob Myers to leave Golden State for a president role with his extension deadline looming. Yeah, if you can get, if you could get him, great. If you could, I don't know if you can. And Golden State seems like a pretty good situation. I don't know if I'm leaving that that job, but if you can get them, sure. Why not? Why not? All right. This was a lot of ne negativity, and I understand it with the game playing out the way that it did and, and everything. But still, nonetheless, I don't like finishing on, on such a, a negative. I didn't even do a master lock or any of the awards or anything like that, because I know right now people are just kind of frustrated. Um. Here's another super chat. Eddie said, because uh, the Lakers have been better off had LeBron never wanted to come. If you look at the youth they had and how great they are now, the problem is I don't know they would have been able to keep everybody and pay all of those guys. D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Brandon Ingram, right? I mean, Lonzo Ball has been battling injuries. Caruso, Kuzma, Larry Nance, Zubats, right? I mean, on and on and on and on. Uh, at some point, it's going to be hard to pay all of those guys. And do all of those combined equal a championship? Probably not. And I think a lot of teams, if you said, hey, you know what? You're going to have five really tough years. But you're also going to have one year where you win a championship. Every team would say, deal. Sign us up. Winning championships is really hard. And the Lakers did win a championship based on, the, on what happened. So I, I have a hard time saying, oh, well, they should have kept the young kids. But I understand. When you're in the thick of it right now and you see the younger guys doing well, it's hard not to think, oh, man, wouldn't it be great to see those guys on the floor for the Lakers right now? Um, as far as finishing this up, the Lakers have got to do what they can to win as many games as possible. I think so far we don't know exactly what's going on with AD. It's weird that we don't. Um, it's weird that, you know, he's going, he was in Sacramento tonight, didn't go to the game because he was getting treatment at the hotel, not wearing a boot. Uh, Daniel Starkand, who is, is at the games for us for Lakers nation, said he's not walking with a limp or anything like that. So maybe there's some optimism there, but the fact that they're getting a second and third opinion, like you usually don't get a second and third opinion if you liked what the first opinion had to say. So concern there too. I got to say is you got to keep hope that this team is able to figure things out, that they're able to get through that. You can find, continue to find young players. The scouting department continues to do that. You get guys like Max Christie in 
And at some point you come out the other side here and you come out for the better. Um, maybe it, it probably does take a trade and hopefully they can get something done, but it may take this team gutting out some wins now and giving themselves an opportunity to make a trade by February. Uh, maybe later into January, they can get something done. And then, then you can really make a push here. I think one of the best things though about Lakers fans is that that passion stays strong, even through tough times. And we've seen it. I've been through rebuilding years and still have Lakers fans consistently coming in, consistently watching shows, talking about all the moves and all that kind of stuff. Lakers fans get a bad rap. They're, they're diehards, man. There, there's so many different Lakers fans that, that come from all different backgrounds that love this team and follow this team and fight through the frustration because they know ultimately it's going to make the good times feel that much better. So I think it's a matter of kind of keeping that in mind, staying strong and, uh, and fighting through it. Uh, not to go all history teacher on you, but Thomas Paine wrote about uh, sunshine soldiers and summer patriots. Flip that. Summer soldiers and sunshine patriots and how um, they're nowhere to be found when times are tough. But those that fight through, and he was talking about the American Revolution at the time, but those who fight through the hard times are the ones who truly deserve the thanks of, of everybody. Those who, who fight through, and he indirectly alludes to winter soldiers. And I know we think Captain America and all that doesn't use the phrase winter soldiers, but that's what he's talking about. Soldiers who keep fighting even when things are at their worst, when the conditions are terrible, they keep fighting. That's what I think a lot of Lakers fans are, winter soldiers. Sure, there's fair weather fans and all that, but that's that's the case with any fan base. There's also a lot of Lakers fans that are diehards and are here through thick and thin, and I know that's a lot of you that I'm talking to out there. So continue to stay strong and because we're not going anywhere. Look, it can be frustrating right now, I'm going to be right here. We're going to be breaking this down. We're going to be covering Lakers basketball. We're going to be talking through all this. We're going to get through this together. Last one here, Jose Ortiz. Swap Barnes with Braun. Kings probably first in the West. That's how bad the Lakers roster is. Uh, you might not be wrong there. The Kings might be if you put LeBron on that team in place of Harrison Barnes. That would be a really good team. All right, everybody. Appreciate you guys for, for joining me tonight. Make sure that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget as well to follow our podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.